Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. <laughs> We're getting silly. We are getting silly here, ladies and gentlemen, as we welcome you I to mean, the second half of our UFC 256 post fight coverage. This is a live post fight show following one of the best events. I mean, definitely the best event of, of 2020. Unbelievable from start to finish. And there's a lot to talk about with all of you. And let me just say that normally we have like kind of a, a format, like we just kind of wing it for the most part. Normally we talk about the main event and the co-main event and all the storylines, but we're not going to do that. We're going to leave that all to you as thank you for joining us at uh, 2.41 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You guys are animals. We appreciate that very much. I am Mike Heck, joined by the Prince of Positivity himself, Alex K. Lee. Welcome, sir. And E. Casey Lydon joining from the other side as well. So, AK, we're going to start with you before we go right to the questions. Your thoughts on this event overall, because I thought it, it, it lived up to the expectations, oh. and then some, what say you? MMA is supposed to be fun. And, man, this was a, this was a fun card tonight. Uh, you know, just the fights were great. Uh, the finishes, storyline-wise, I don't know if the UFC could have asked for anything better. Maybe a definitive winner. Uh, in the main event, but otherwise they kind of got themselves a sweet, sweet rematch served up on a platter, so that's good too. Like really, there was no way it could go wrong. If if uh, Figueiredo won, he completes this like fighter of the year campaign. He's this dominant flyweight champion, one that they've been. Pu- I think they've done a good job of pushing and and has certainly gained a lot of popularity. Uh, Moreno, an amazing story, a guy of course in his second run with the UFC, so likable. The 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 Mexican McLovin, um, you know, how can you not root for him? So if either of them won, it would have been great. And then we kind of got the unexpected result of a, of, a, of a majority draw, but after a five-round classic, one of the best fights ever. So even the main event, if people who I know people sometimes don't like draws, but even if you're against that, man, you can't say that, that fight didn't deliver. So that was fantastic. And then uh, Oliveira looked incredible. Dern, uh, they obviously is a star. They want her to be a star. She, she held up her end of the bargain. Kevin Holland, 5-0. Cedil gone, uh, you know, putting away Junior Dos Santos. Huge win for him. So, again, I know we'll be answering questions. I won't go over the whole card, but really, I... This was on paper. It looked incredible. I know a lot of fans are looking forward to this one. We were definitely looking forward to this one. Uh, it, it just delivered in every way. So one of the best cards of the year, maybe the best 
Um, but I guess uh, we'll have that discussion again further probably as we as we get closer uh, to to the new year. Absolutely. It is uh, just about award season. We have one more card coming up next Saturday, December 19th. We're all going to be watching. We're all excited about it. Apparently Dana White is not going to be there. He's going on vacation. He's taking the rest of the year off. And <laughs> you know what? After the year the UFC had, he probably deserves it. But I'm kind of surprised he's not going to stick around for this one because it's a pretty damn good card. But uh, let's go right to the peeps, Casey. Let's get right after this thing. Sandy Pham said she got her midnight snack for all of this. So <laughs> let's look. Let's let the peeps speak. It's been a, it's been a crazy night. Uh, John Dagnan, I sorry if I mispronounced <laughs> it. Do you guys think that Figgy Moreno surpasses Wiley Joanna as fight of the year? So it's interesting, AK, because we came into this card thinking that a lot of these awards were no brainers, or at least like on the cusp of being no brainers. But now we're coming out of it with all these different discussions. So. I know this is a recency bias sport, AK, but as you're sitting here right now, as great as that title fight was tonight, was it better than Zhang Wei Li versus Yuani and Jacek back in March? I'm going to still lean towards uh, Zhang and JJ. I'll have to go back and watch it, of course. I think that's that's a huge factor. So, and I, so I'm kind of also going against my own recency bias because as I was watching the fight tonight, I was certainly thinking, I think through like the fourth round, I was like, this is the best fight I've seen this year. Uh, even even remembering that Zhang and uh, Yao Jacek existed, I was like, this is the best fight I've seen. There was certainly a little more, you know, if you're looking for a fight that had a few more uh, dimensions to it, as it were, so there's some great grappling in it. Uh, so so there's element to it as well, because, you know, Joanna and and, and Zhang was, was a stand-up fight. Boy, what a stand-up fight it was. Again, one of the one of the best stand-up fights we've ever seen uh, in mixed martial arts history. So, for me, I'll still lean towards that one. I do think it had a stronger finish as well. I remember, I remember by the fifth round of that uh, that Zhang JJ fight, like they were still going at it and just landing haymakers. It was it was what made it so unbelievable. And I don't think this round was bad, but I do think the pace that they cut uh, took a toll on both of them. And uh, it was a more it was a more you know methodical uh, final round. Still showed off a lot of their skills, but obviously didn't quite match the the high octane uh, of rounds one to four. So I'll, I'll lean to I'll, I'll, it's a strong second. But if anyone's telling me that's their pick for fight of the year, I, there's you cannot go wrong with that. It's one of the best championship fights ever. So what what a treat for us that we got two two classic UFC fights in 2020 like that. Yeah, um, I'm just going to read this question off of Twitter real quick because uh, Casey mm-hmm. and I kind of talked about this and get, and I will guarantee you that I'm between the links and what the heck and A-side, we're going to be having this discussion even more and more. So uh, leave your thoughts in the comments for those of you watching. If you thought that this dethroned Wiley and JJ, I, I tend to agree with you, AK, although it's very, very close. And the content creation brain of mine immediately says we need to do like a, a watch along with everybody. Like we can't like put the fights on the screen, obviously, but we could all like just start at the same place and just react to it as both fights as they're happening and just go through them. And then we can kind of make a decision from there, but that's just the way I look at it. But turbo McGee on Twitter just asked, does the, does the UFC have a scheduled pay-per-view once a month? That's a yes. Also is the weekly cards a continuing thing or is that a makeup because COVID cancellations because the schedule kind of varies, doesn't it? Yes. So turbo that is, that is true. Uh, we missed a lot of cards. So the UFC just, kind of made up for it and just going bang 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 so we appreciate the question thank you i wanted to make sure we got that in there so uh i don't know i mean it's a it's a good discussion to have that we have so many options for fight of the year at this point like it seemed like this is a runaway and now it is no longer and it seems like the gap is at least closed into a discussion at this point and i think that's a good thing 
did this fight exceed? Well, it had to, but like, did you expect this type of competitive fight? What was your yes. expectations coming into this fight? The main event. I, I thought I thought I thought Figgy was going to win by knockout uh, before the championship round. So I definitely was. I knew it would be competitive. I don't know if I saw a fight of the year uh, contender coming, but I'll say I don't know if I. I remember the the Zhang uh, Yuan Jacek fight. I don't know if I remember that uh, thinking that would be a fight of the year. I knew it would be a, a great fight. Uh, I did not think it would be as violent and as back and forth as it was. I thought it'd be a little more technical, which it strangely was technical, even as they were like brutalizing each other's faces. Uh, <laughs> now that I'm talking about, I really want to watch that fight again. God, that fight is so good. Uh, so I'd say in, to some degree, both fights were a little surprising uh, as far as it, I, I wouldn't have pictured them being the one and two uh, best fights of the year heading into it. I'll tell you that right now. You got to remember in the, in the, in the Wei Li fight too, it was the co-main event and there was so much hype for Romero and Izzy at that time. Oh yeah. And um, <laughs> let's not talk about that. <laughs> but uh, I did rewatch um, Wei Li versus um, uh, Joanna probably about a month ago. And my takeaways were, man, that crowd was awesome. <laughs> as much as I complain about MMA crowds, for that for that one, they you couldn't mess one up. You couldn't mess that one up. And um, the fight was closer than I remember, but I still had Whaley um, winning the fight. But man, that fight ruled. That fight ruled, and this fight ruled too. Yeah, this fight went pretty much to expectations. Like I didn't think, I thought Moreno would be able to avoid damage a little bit better than he did tonight. If we're being honest, I thought that it would be a wild and crazy pace for three rounds. And I thought Moreno would take over in four and five. And I, I picked Moreno to win by decision. Um, and it almost happened. There were a couple of fights that mm -hmm. I picked that like nobody yeah. else in our staff picked. And I was so close to getting them right. <laughs> Peter Barrett, was another one. I was the only one yeah, on the staff right. picked Peter Barrett. Oh, and he everyone was, knew who was going to come out of the third round submission. Everyone knew that. Come on. Man. <laughs> yeah. That's what everybody thought. Were you, thought, were you like yeah. Rogan? Were you trying to retire Mr. Hooper? Like oh, halfway through the fight? Oh, we're uh, not gonna. Uh, <laughs> we're not gonna dwell too much on. I don't want to dwell too much on the cut. We did no, this no. the last time. We did this two fifty five, right? We already. We've already said it, criticized yeah. everything we want to say about it. it. I think it was even worse tonight. Um, but I check my Twitter if you guys want to see stuff I thought about Rogan's comment tonight. Just absolutely atrocious. But um, I'm looking at the numbers now. It's horrible. I'm looking at the numbers now for uh, Figueredo and Moreno. This was these are the the uh, UFCstats.com numbers. So this was not 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 what was on the broadcast. This was about as close as you can get. Uh, significant strikes in total, 137 to 132 for the champion. So, again, you can five five significant strike differential. Round one, 28-28. Round two, 31 for Figueredo. Uh, and then rounds three, 25-21 for Moreno. Round four, 40 to 38. Two significant strikes differential, and they combined for almost 80 significant strikes. How do you even score... How do you even score these fights? And then uh, round five, I think the clearest one for Figueredo, uh, six, 16 to eight. So double them up. A, a little bit slower pace in the other rounds. So again, if people score this fight for Moreno, uh, I scored it for Figgy. If they scored it for Moreno, this is a very strong case for it. it. This fight was super, super, super close. Definitely needs to be rewatched. I find it kind of puzzling that all three judges, even with the point deduction, scored scored the third round for Figueredo, like as a 9-9. Nine, nine. I thought I did, I did most people you did too. A lot of people I saw on Twitter and again, all, the fight was so good that the rounds just kind of blended together for me. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I, I don't even remember like which round was which at times because the fight was just so frenetic. Yeah, I didn't either. I stopped scoring yeah. after the second round. I was done. I was absolutely done with it. But it seemed like there were a lot of people out there who thought Moreno won the third round. It should have been a 10-8 for him. 
Okay. But the one judge in the fifth round scoring it for Moreno, he robbed Figueredo. He robbed Figueredo that's, of the title tonight. That's a weird one. That's bad. Uh, I will say for the third round, I may have been counter-programming in my brain the Rogan commentary. Uh, again, I don't want to harp on this, but that, that's probably what was the most egregious. If I, I challenge anyone to rewatch the third round and not say that uh, Rogan was out of his damn mind with how he was calling some of those exchanges because uh, literally there's moments where Figueredo was landing clean shots and just nothing. Uh, no, no, literally, it's like he couldn't even see him. And then uh, Moreno would land like a counter jab or a nice shot to the body and then you, you, know, you get that over over enthusiastic response so so for me i think in my mind i might have been it shifted me the other way maybe maybe too far in the direction of uh Figueredo. i still think Figueredo won it but i'll have to rewatch that it, that was a really really good round and and definitely a good one for, for moreno i just thought i thought Figueredo still edged it out uh except for of course the stupid fouls so um yeah i'll, I'll admit to my own bias uh in that round I, I i was affected by the commentary just not in the way you would expect <laughs> I, yeah, such a such a great fight. God, I Casey. really, really, Beautiful. really, really, really wish that the UFC, upon rewatching fights, you can just watch it with natural sounds, no commentary. Mm. I want like, you just don't get that opportunity to watch a fight with zero commentary, or at least just Anik or someone, or <laughs> <laughs> just I mean, it was like Anik can read his promos for Cyberpunk and whatever. I get that, whatever. <laughs> um, but man, um. Uh, it was just, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely understand what you feel, um, uh, AK. Because there were some things Rogan was saying. I was just like, oh, it was just like getting in my head. And I just, I just want to watch the fight and like look at this and like not be just annoyed <laughs> or just angry. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it, the commentary does sway you. Even round two, I, I really want to rewatch round two because I scored round two for Moreno. But I see uh, only one judge. Only one judge gave to Moreno. That's all. A lot of people online going round two was clearly Figueredo. So I say, like, ah, maybe I was swayed by the, you know, the uh, the commentary. So I mm-hmm. don't know. I totally it happens. Know. All right. Yeah. What else we got? I mean, there's the fight was awesome. So <laughs> freaking good. It's awesome. Ugh. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. I don't think it passes. I, I think I'm in agreement with both of you gentlemen. I think the fifth round kind of... I mean, both these guys just beat the brakes off of each other, and they were probably just like, "Oh my god, how am I going to do this for another yeah, five yeah. minutes?" And it was, only, it was only because they beat but. they beat the crap out of each other. Because round four, I mean, if we do round of the year, round maybe round four is like round of the I can't remember actually. I just like round four might have been so good that those guys came out and they basically kind of uh, rested the first three minutes. I felt of round five just to go, you know, but uh, and so for the first three minutes, we just had to focus on Rogan talking about Moreno's twisted arm or something i don't know no it's broken casey he said it was was so sure that it was broken diagnosed from the broadcast table incredible stuff just like cubs wants his knee just like cubs wants his knee blew out three times oh my gosh what is uh but yes again focusing on the positive the fight was amazing there's so many parts where i thought the fight could have ended like they were landing some hard 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 shots so 
Sandy Fam, how impressive was Dern's stand-up? Casey, let me, let me, since this is this is your fight, this is yeah. the the Casey main event. Uh, what did you think of Mackenzie Dern's stand-up? The, the fight played out exactly the way I thought it was going to play out, and I think most kind of agreed with that as well heading in, that there wouldn't be a lot of ground exchanges. It would be mostly on the feet. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Dern's stand-up? Uh, first of all, I thought it was a great fight by both women. Um, I thought the, the decision was correct. Dern won the fight. Uh, her stand-up? Ever improving. That's what it was. It was improving. What Dern really proved to me that she is a tough, gritty fighter. And that is super important in MMA. When you want to reach those highest levels of the, of the division, yeah, you can be good at jiu-jitsu. You can be good at striking. You can be good at wrestling. You can be a good mixed martial artist. But above that, you got to be freaking tough. And Dern and Janjaroba both proved, both proved that they were freaking tough. And um, that's why. That, and basically, oh, and once... Oh, big shout out and big credit to um, her striking coach. Uh, why, why am I forgetting his name? Um, Perillo. Jason, Jason Perillo. When he was just telling uh, Dern, just co- stop winging it, stop stop brawling, just throw straight punches, throw straight punches. And that is what won her the fight in that third round when she started finally just straightening her jab out and just popping that jab. That jab won her that third round. That jab opened up to his body kicks and... She won the third round, which won her the fight. Because up until up, for the, yeah, it was it was pretty much. I think everyone had a one-one going into the third. The fight was up for grabs in the third round. And once once Dern just actually just cleaned up her stand up and stopped just winging that one overhand, you know, which is obviously very dangerous. But once she opened up that that jab, pop and pop, that won her the fight. So um, ever improving. And um, I'm not gonna say Dern is gonna be fighting for the belt anytime soon or ever maybe. But she's clearly improving, and she beat a very good fighter tonight that I thought she was going to lose to. Yeah, it was a good performance. Uh, AK, what did you think? I mean, I, I think the first round was, uh, was a little sloppy, probably both ways, if we're being honest. Second round, I think John, John DeRoba kind of cleaned things up. Third round, like Casey said, Dern kind of cleaned things up. But, man, just just the toughness that she showed in that yeah. fight. She broke her nose. And, by the way, we mentioned Jason Perillo in terms of just being a striking coach. What about her and the, him in the corner? Mackenzie yeah. Dern's like, I think about I broke my nose. He's like, nah, dude, you didn't you're break good. your nose. You're yeah. not, cut. You're it's a cut. It's a cut. You look good. You look good, girl. You're fighting great. Her nose is like, yeah. uh, <laughs> Sometimes it's okay to lie to your fighter in that, yeah. in that case. I think, I, think we, I think we saw that tonight. Uh, I'm a fan of McKay One Darren. I'm not going to lie. I think McKay One Darren is. Yeah, I think McKay One Darren is legit. Uh, no, I, I mean, I, look, she's a work in progress. I'm sure she, she'd be the first one to say it if, if you talked to Brother Striking. But it is night and day. If you just look to her, some of her earlier UFC fights, she's always had, again, good athleticism and actually some natural power. I remember she rocked uh, Amanda Cooper. You know, she had a bit of a weight advantage in that fight, unfortunately. But she did, you know, there's some technique behind that too, right? And um, so, the, so the power is there. You know, I, I think anyone. So and that's that's great. But someone like Perillo has to teach them how to sort of utilize that and add some technique. And most of all, I think when we see a lot of these grapplers, uh, the biggest thing is, and, and Casey kind of touched upon this, is when things start to go badly, they like just panic. When, when you're when, when you're not an educated striker, you're going to panic. When things aren't going your way, you're going to start shoot, you know just trying to tie up. You're going to try to start shooting in for for unwise uh, you know unwise takedown attempts. You're going to turn your back on your opponent. That's always like the worst sign of someone who's just not comfortable striking. You're turning your back. You're 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 not circling. You're literally like running away. And and that's the sort of thing that if you look at Dern tonight, she didn't show a lot of that. She also attempted a spinning strike, which actually didn't look that bad, like a spinning back fist. Uh, so there was a comfort level there, which is huge. So it's not it's not just about uh, the strikes that she landed. It's just it's it's how she looks in some of the exchanges. Now, uh, Jan, Jan Jaraba is not like obviously an elite striker, you know. So 
th- th- this still needs to be tested, right? We need to see her against, for example, I, I don't think they're going to make this fight happen anytime soon, but like Atisha Torres would be a really good example of, of Duran striking. If you tell me, ask me right now, I think Tisha Torres would, would light her up on the feet. But maybe two fights from now, uh, maybe eight months down the road, a year from now, then we can talk about it, you know how how much uh, tutelage can we get Darren to get on that level. So a lot of rounding of her game needs to be done. The striking is on its way. I think is at least I would hope three fights away uh, from even talking about a world title shot. But again, the UFC moves so quickly. You get the right pull. You can be, she'll be fighting for a title shot by the summer. I don't think she's ready for that yet. But uh, we've seen Stranger Things. But yeah, specifically about the striking. Boy, it was uh, it was. It was an enjoyable experience to watch. I wish it had been more chaotic, like Askren and Maya. That's what I was thought things were going to have break down into. Uh, but no, it was it was a, it was a competent striking battle with uh, and Durance. Yeah, definitely improved a lot. She, she earned a, a good decision. Agreed. Uh, before we get to the next question, I, I do have to uh, concede something real quick because one of the big talking points heading into this week, especially during the weigh-in show on Friday, is surreal gone. How do we pronounce this man's name? Because we've heard Gan, we've heard Gain, we've heard Ghana. John Anik on Friday said Ghana. John Anik on Friday said Ghana. On Saturday he said Gan. So we're like, okay, I guess it's gone. And then Bruce Buffer announces him the winner and says Ghana. And now we're like, what the hell? But luckily, MMA fighting has come through with a final decision because Jose Youngs, before Surreal Gan left the press conference, asked the final question and said, how do you pronounce your last name? And he said, gone. So gone is the did. winner. Gan is of correct. course he did. He also said that in France, it's gone. <laughs> but if you said gain, that's okay. Okay. Hmm. I'm, so going, I was I'm going completely with, wrong. I'm going with French Canadian, uh, which is where he spent a lot of time fighting. I know he is from France. So I was, and, and, uh, and by the way, Mike, it's Cyril. Okay. Cyril oh, gone. Cyril. You got to put a little tongue in there sometimes. Fyodor. Fyodor. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, and Anik and, and, and knows. He addressed it on the broadcast. He said, he, he said it, I think, after the fight. It was like, he's like, Cyril gone. That is what we're going yeah. with. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's not 100% correct. I don't know. But uh, I, you know, Anik is definitely a tastemaker when it comes to pronunciation. So I think this is what we're going with for now. But uh, who knows? Who knows next time? Dave, with the question, do we get Kevin Holland versus Israel Adesanya in 2021? I'm going to jump on this first and just say no, only because we don't know when Adesanya is going up to 205 to fight Jan Blachowicz. And if he wins that fight, he ain't coming back to 185 anytime soon because he's going to go up and fight John Jones. We, I think we all know that that's what's going to happen if he beat John Blachowicz. So I think it would all depend on what happens in that fight. But gut wise, I say no. I just I think if Holland, I'm not saying Holland won't fight for a belt in 2021 because the guy will probably fight 11 times in 2021 and earn his way to a title shot and just run through everybody in the division because he's just that active and and is that willing to fight at any point. I just don't think he fights out of Sani in 2021 because of how everything is sort of shaping up at this point. AK, what do you think? Do you think we see that fight in yeah. 2021? No, it's 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 certainly not in the plans. Uh, I'm I'm certain that the matchmakers it, it, are not even looking at that matchup right now. They want they want to build towards the uh, uh, Israel John Jones super fight. That's that's their number one objective for 2021. You know, if they can get that fight pinned down, it's everything else. They're playing with house money at that point. Like that's that's a huge fight. Uh, 
I mean, can it happen? Yes, it, it totally can happen. We don't know fighters drop out, opportunities change. Uh, maybe uh, Izzy loses to Jan Blachowicz and then decides, okay, back to 185, pardon for me. I need a challenger. Who's who's next in line? Holland would be right there. So uh, th- I, I think a lot of, of the answer is assuming that he beats Jan, which I would not assume at all, by the way. I, I would pick Izzy, but that's not an easy fight by any measure. I've picked against Jan many times and been wrong. So uh no it's not in their plans but but i'm a little more i'm a little more optimistic than than mike that it could happen because i do think if izzy comes back to 185 he'd defend his title at least a couple of times and holland very likely would be one of those defenses can we can we can we change the question because i think the question really is will holland be fighting for a title by 2021 yeah that's fine i mean scheduling wise it might mess up but either a title or interim title is kevin basically Mm -hmm. is kevin holland that good is he the real deal or is he just a guy on a streak who beats yeah, an aging uh, fighter? I want someone on, on this kind of goes to someone another question we just got on Twitter from uh, Nathan who said, uh, "Did Holland change where he thought his ceiling was tonight, and did he move from fun fighter to legitimate contender with this win?" I think for a lot of people, he had already uh, moved into legitimate contender. Y- yes, he didn't have that big name. That that's sort of what was so perfect about this uh, this Jacare matchup is that this was the name he needed. You know, we knew we know he's talented. We know he can win fights. Five and zero in twenty twenty. He's one of the only. He's one of only two fighters to do that, I think. I don't know. Neil Magny did it, maybe? Three. Three. Neil Magny. I think there's one more. Yeah, Huerta. Huerta. He went five and oh. Who? Uh, I remember. Roger Roger Huerta. Huerta. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, someone told me that. I I actually have no recollection of that. I remember seeing the name pop up. Uh, So it's a very rare thing to do. We know he win fights. Uh, So a lot of people, I think by the time he'd beaten, I mean, the Darren Stewart fight, I know it wasn't impressive, but that was probably one of the higher ranked guys he beat. Uh, but just just by the streak he was on, I think a lot of people were already talking about him as being a contender. I needed some convincing. This fight convinced me, no question. Uh, insane knockout. The fearlessness that I that has made me hesitate to call him a contender is clearly one of his assets. The willingness to go to the ground with a guy like Jacare, the willingness to stand with a guy like Joaquin Buckley. He's very confident in all of his abilities. And... Maybe that'll come to bite him at some point. It hasn't. Uh, so for me, the ceiling has raised, and I do see him as someone who could be three in the division, uh, top 10 for a long time, and yeah, someone who will challenge for a UFC title. Roger Huerta went 5-0 and oh in 2007. Wow. Was that, the, was that the year he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated? Probably, I'm assuming. Yeah, it was John Halverson, Leonard Garcia, Douglas Evans, Alberto Crane, Leonard, yeah. and Clay Guida. Wow. Ah, that's a good year. Roger Huerta versus Clay Guida was one of those fights that made me an MMA fan. I just, I was just, I didn't know too much about the sport back then. You know, I just kind of, I think I was just started working in the sport. I think I was working for Elite XC at the time. I remember watching that fight and just thinking, this fight is freaking amazing. Because it, it was like a mixed martial arts fight. And I think that's the fight where Roger Huerta actually dropped Clay Guida or maybe knocked him out. From his knees, like they were scrambling, he sprawled, got his knees, and just like, wow, it was just an amazing fight, man. Roger Ward's a talk. Who knew? Yeah, but talk uh, about a guy who looked like, talk about a guy who looked like he'd be a future lightweight champion, like for sure, and not never even got a title shot. Uh, Neil Magny also has not gotten a title shot, so and, 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 but could someday. You know, that's not ruled out, but hasn't yet. So fingers crossed. What, you really got Roger Ward? No, my, <laughs> goodness. my goodness. Well, you know, my goodness. Uh, you he's are not be, a believer. He's in Bellator. I think he's in Bellator. Uh, but 
UFC t- talking about UFC titles. Yeah, I, 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 it's not going to happen for Roger probably. It could happen for Neil Magny still, but hasn't yet. So hopefully five and zero does not turn out in a in a year does not turn out to be some kind of weird curse. But uh, just remember where it was mentioned first. Not that I believe in that sort of thing. Yeah, I've I've been following Kevin Holland for a while, even before he's in the UFC. When when he got in the contender series, I was like, all right, here here he goes. I feel like this is the guy that most people who followed him, like if you're from the Dallas Texas area anywhere in Texas and you watching Kevin Holland co- go through the ranks, I think you expected this guy that we've seen this year to come out of his shell. And I, I think we're starting to see it now. I think, and it started with the, the, the Daniel, the, the fluffy Hernandez win. Like I remember asking him, I was like, this is, this is the Kevin Holland people waiting to see since you got in the UFC. And he's like, you're right. But, and, and now we're seeing it tenfold. He's, this is a man who completely took advantage of the situation. Um, I saw Tristan Gornat's question. Yeah. That knockout was insane. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that was that insane. Was, where did that come from? What was? We, 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 we actually you know, talk, talk about Jacques Ray's, I mean, Holland's knockout now? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, like, we're, we, you know, we like to be very measured and calm here, especially when, when we're asked a question, we want to, we you know, directly get to it. But that knockout was... I wasn't even sure what happened at first. I think the initial angle, I was like, it, it was hard to tell that he caught him so clean. Uh, and, and caught him with a clean one before he landed the one that actually knocked him out. He like landed with a super hard shot, and I heard it, but it's almost like I didn't believe what I was seeing. I was like, I was like, that was weird. Like that punch shouldn't have made such a loud sound. Uh, and then sure enough, he gets he lands another right hand and just puts him out uh, real bad too. Like Jacare was kind of trying to stand up after, and they were kind of they had to keep kind of guiding him to the stool. Like I was like, no, let you're, him sit down. Out, let him sit you, down. Let him let yeah, him lie down. You gotta like, sit down. Yeah. Let, 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 you are take yeah. a nap, bro. He's gonna Jacare is gonna watch that one later and find to be like, how? No way. Like that's the, he definitely doesn't remember it, and he's gonna see it and be like, "How? How is that even possible?" Because this guy's seen it all, and he's probably not seen that one. Dude, he's been that, that's as great as a career as Jacare had. That's now two vicious knockouts in his career mm-hmm. from someone's in someone's guard. <laughs> that's just yeah. that's just, just a kind of a bummer, man. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, you're talking about describing that knockout. Actually, when it happens, you know, of course, as a fan, I'm just going, Wah! you know, screaming. <laughs> Esther, my wife, is in the other room, and she's like, "What happened? What happened?" I'm like, "Oh, Kevin Holland just knocked out Jacques Ray." She's like, "Oh, what happened? Describe it." I was just all like, "You're gonna have to see this." <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> I was Describe like, "I kind of punched him. Weird. I'm not sure." He but. wasn't even. He wasn't even like like sitting down or on his back he was like in that in between sort of your butt kind of balanced on his butt phase and just whips <laughs> the arm out and somehow lands right on that button i i've never i've never seen i have never seen you know we've all watched mma a very long time and i remember you know years ago um dana white would say at press conferences you know every card has like that holy shit moment you know something happens you've never seen before i don't say i don't think i get that same holy shit moment for every card now, but that was a holy shit moment. <laughs> you know, like I yeah. have never seen that before. That was like actually, I was texting my coach, my my MMA coach. I was like, we we're just talking about it, and when it happens, like, dude, you can't train for that. You don't train that. That's just something. You're just a fighter, and you're just tough and smart and quick and fast and powerful. And like, <clears throat> that's just something that happens. You that's not that's not a position you ever train for. You just see a guy's face and you punch it. I don't know. It was amazing. Who would throw that? Who would throw that strike in that situation? You're you're not gonna land anything effective, or so I thought until tonight. <laughs> well, com- compare, com- two com- knockout- 
Compare that knockout to uh, Chase Hooper. Remember that whole he was sitting there. Uh, who's his Who's his opponent? Oh. He was fighting. Oh, uh, Peter Barrett. Peter Barrett. Like, and, like, 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 yeah. <laughs> and guess what? And guess what? It worked. It right? worked. It worked. Chase, Chase Hooper. When the, when the reports come in this week, six months, six months medical suspension for Chase Hooper. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that hand is the hand's a and mess. Hand's a mess. <laughs> that 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 punch that Kevin Holland landed that set it all up. It was like a pro wrestling punch. It was like a comeback punch, right. like in a main event yeah. where you see like the two. The two guys just on their knees, like yeah. trading punches. Yeah. The boo yeah, yay. Was there was there was no boo. It was just yeah, yay and then boo, yeah. yay 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 yay. <laughs> just, we... And each punch Kevin Holland was throwing was coming from a higher angle and coming down more ferociously. Yeah, is Jacare going down making... backwards like on like, like like a weird yoga position? Like <laughs> yeah. Oh what, like a, a, back, what a what a, yeah. a madman. And Kevin Holland, what a, what a, in his in his post fight interview, because he's just everyone knew he was going to get fifty k. He said he might buy himself a Lincoln Continental. I like that man, classy, <laughs> classy man. Yeah, he, he's had a tough yeah, year. He's had an all right. When I talked to him, what the heck? He said when, like early on in his career, he used to drive a Lincoln Continental from Texas oh, to Louisiana. It. So he said that uh, he said that uh, he goes, yeah, and I see alligators. He goes, now I'm gonna. You know, just go to Vegas and I'm going to hunt another alligator. And that's what he did. The dude is, nice. the dude just gets, he's just so marketable. Like he doesn't, he doesn't even want to be in the damn video game anymore. He said, they, he said he heard the video game sucks and I just didn't want to be in it anymore. Hold but on. Guess what? Dogs he, are going crazy. He, should, he should get his own video game. We need, we need Kevin Holland's MMA. You know, when they used to do like, you know, Magic versus Bird, you know, and actually play, uh, Ken Griffey Jr.'s home run baseball. You know, he needs, we need, we need Kevin Holland's. Uh, I, I don't even know what to describe, but like uh, wild ass cage fighting because that's the, that's that's the style he was using there was was wild ass because you just don't you don't throw punches like that wild ass you don't throw punches yeah. like that you're not supposed to you're not supposed to you know does the UFC this is Bill, Bill Embiid combat basketball but thank, the thank you <laughs> does the UFC still do like, in, when they do their intros do they say what fighting discipline oh <laughs> sometimes yeah they do wow and yeah. no. Kevin Holland, the specializing in wild ass martial arts. You can't tell this yeah. guy he can't do something. You you cannot tell him that he can't do something. All right, because he's he doesn't believe in it. All right, he's he'll go he'll do he'll do anything. I'm gonna go. Can we go? I'm gonna throw in my own question because I haven't seen this question, but I think this is a big thing to talk about. Talk about tonight's card in the sense of like just a, a changing of the guard. I didn't really think of that coming into this card, but look, Charles mm-hmm. Oliver demolishing yep. Ferguson, a longtime vet. Uh, Cyril Gain, <laughs> Cyril Gain demolishing Junior Dos Santos, a longtime vet. And then uh, there was another big one. Uh, wait, Jun- uh, oh, you said Kevin Holland and Jacare. Oh, yeah, Kevin Holland and Jacare. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just like, man, like, are these guys that knocked out those guys, are they the – is Kevin Holland now the new Jacare in a sense that we Jacare has been a, a top tier middleweight for I don't know a decade now? Can we expect Kevin Holland, Surreal Gan, and um, uh, why am I kidding? I keep if so many fights. Wait, can we expect uh, Oliver to be like basically premier fighters for the next decade? 
Well, I mean, UFC is hard. I think it's hard to hold on to that ranking for a long time. It depends what division you're in. Heavyweight certainly you can stay in there for a while. Uh, the the turnover and talent is not as high. But I mean, if we're but like for the next two years, uh, is Charles Oliveira probably a top five, top ten guy? Yeah, of course. Uh, Kevin Holland, he's a bit younger, and again, um, you know, a middleweight. If you told me he's in the top ten for the next three or four years, yeah, he's taking that spot now. Still gone for sure. Still gone now. Uh, who knows? Maybe he takes one of those heavyweight spots for the next five, six, seven years. So, uh, if you're just asking in general, yeah, are these guys going to be the names we see in the rankings for for quite some time? Yeah, get definitely be able to get used to it. Um, these guys aren't going anywhere uh, unless unless uh, one of them goes on a Habib like run and just decides to retire from just just clearing stuff out. Which at this point, Oliveira looks like he could do it. I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah, I would agree. We could even throw uh, Rafael Fazeev in that equation, yep. beating Anato Moicano. That was that was a that's a pretty damn impressive performance in his own right. Mm-hmm. And thank you, and thank you, Dana White, for co- confirming what I, I mean. Nobody saw it because me and Casey were kind of having a debate on like who should have got the performance of the night, whether it should have been Cub Swanson or Rafael Fazeev. And the talk was it was a cleaner knockout. Maybe the stoppage was wrong, but Dana White said. He hated how the production shot that because Moicano tried to get up to his feet and he couldn't get up. He just kept falling back mm-hmm. down. But nobody saw it on the broadcast because they were just showing Fazeev celebrating. I think they did show a replay of it. And I still I still disagree with... I, I'm okay with the stoppage, but I really understand. I really think Moicano, Moicano deserved... Uh, a chance to get out of that because as soon as he did, as soon as he did drop, his head hit, did hit the mat. But he was pulling guard. He was he was um, he was grabbing uh, Fiziz's biceps, which is what you should do. And he was doing what he was doing the correct thing to do. It's just I, I just wish he got a little bit more leeway. But that's just, that's the sport. I, and, and I and I get why the stoppage happened. I mean, I get why the the stop, why the ref stopped it. The it he got hit for three piece and he went down hard. I get it. But um, I, I had no, I had no problem with the stoppage. But we have seen fighters come back from a lot worse than that. Yeah. Like, so and, this is, and, and this is very different from the JDS thing. The JDS thing was just that was that was pure, that was clean. There wasn't any. Oh, that was not controversial yeah. about that. I would agree with that. What else we got? What do we got from the people? Uh, not really a question. Oh, here. Uh. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May seventeenth, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Oh, I already got an answer for this, but I want to go ahead and put it out there. John, uh, getting two questions on. Next, two <laughs> former kickboxers, Muay Thai fighters going out at 155. Count me in. AK, we're going to be talking more about this on, on to the next one, so maybe we'll, we'll, we'll defer to Casey. Because, by the way, on to the next yeah. one. We're running down all the winners, <laughs> all the winners, and a couple yes. of losers, and couple or of the, one couple loser of and one of the co-champions. But uh, sure. Casey, is this is this the fight you want to see, Casey? As soon as that fight ended, is absolutely the fight I wanted to see. But then the MMA manager, Mister Danny Rubenstein, 
tweeted at me and said, this fight will not happen because they both are Tiger Muay Thai guys and they train together. Oh, oh that's so, right. There uh, we go. Right. So, they would Question not answer. fight each other. He said, unless it's for the yeah. belt. So uh, unless we want to gather a bunch of money for them to fight for just for fun, they're not fighting each other. So, But those guys are su- both super exciting, so they have plenty of guys to fight. So we're good. Yeah. Or hopefully, you know, when this, when this, when this, uh, you know, a year from now or whenever, hopefully sooner, this COVID thing passes, head down to the gym and uh, maybe you'll get to see uh, Fiz, Fiz Eve and, and Riddell go a few rounds. So, uh, yeah, but very cool matchup on paper. Obviously, now it, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Let's stick with the Muay Thai. Can Gon hang with the top heavyweights? What do you think, AK? I mean, we he talked about did. this on the previous show. Yeah, I mean, he. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, I think you know what I mean. We're, we're yeah, talking about no, the cream of the crop. I think uh, one of the special things about Khan is that um, his people who who only see sort of um, his record and say, oh, "Okay, he like finishes people. He must be one of those guys. He's like a kind of you know a classic young berserker heavyweight." He's not that at all. He's really really patient. People should watch the uh, the Tanner Bozer fight where both guys looked really good because they're both uh, really skilled. Really, really skilled, patient guys. Uh, Bozer's a lot more experienced than him, so that's kind of what made uh, what made Gon's win so impressive. Um, people shouldn't think like, "Oh, he didn't finish Bozer." I'm like, "No, Bozer's really tough." That, that if anything, that decision might have been the best, most impressive win of Gon's career. Uh, he, he's a finisher, but he's very patient. Uh, and especially you see him in there with with uh, Dos Santos, who's I think one of the best technical uh, strikers we've ever seen at heavyweight. For Gon to be able to, to to be in there with him, a more experienced guy, former UFC champion, and look completely in place, completely like he belonged there, and then of course winning the fight. Uh, yeah, I mean he's he's he could definitely can hang. I I think you could put him in there with an overream, and I think he he he'd accommodate himself very well. I, I think he's right up there with uh, Jarzinho. I think would be good. Um, I'm not saying throw him in there with Stephen Miocic right away, of course, but a uh, Derek Lewis. Honestly, if you put him in there with Derek Lewis, I, I don't know if I would favor Lewis. I, I might go with Gon. That's how impressed I am with this with this guy's poise so far. He's just he's just very 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 mature, uh, which is for a guy with only his seventh this is his seventh pro fight. It's really rare that you see that sort of thing. Yeah, it's tough because there's a part of me that doesn't want to rush him, but then there's a part of me that's like we kind of have no choice. Like I'm not saying throw him up there against Stipe, like you said, or or the Nganus of the world, but. You threw him in there with Derek Lewis. I'm fine with that. Like if Curtis Blades can't come back like in the next couple of months, to re- let's just say like Derek Lewis still wants to fight in January. And from all accounts, it seemed Derek Lewis thought maybe the 16th or the 20th, something in that neighborhood, they were going to try to rebook that fight with Curtis Blades. But apparently that is not the case. He's Blades will not be ready for that date. It would probably have to be in February if they're going to rebook that. If Derek Lewis is like, F it, I want to fight in January. Why not? I am totally down to see Gon versus Derek Lewis. That fight's just gonna be insane. It'll be wild. <laughs> I'd pick Gon, and I, I'd pick Gon. Wow, this guy's legit. I think this guy's legit. But you make a good point, AK. Um, I really enjoyed his patience. I enjoyed um, just um, actually I enjoyed his very technical Muay Thai. He, just, he, he looked like a he looked like a Muay Thai yeah. fighter in there, but a Muay Thai doing MMA. And um, yeah, the way he closed the distance, the way he um. I think actually Rogan actually one thing he did say that was nice. I think he said kind of I think he said he had off speed kicks, you know, mm-hmm. you no, know, just he changed he changed the speed of his kicks, things like that. Um, which I thought, was, yeah, he he was doing that and um, great elbows, great great finishing, and just seems like a nice guy to hang out with. Just seems like a cool yeah. dude. 
He uh, he looks like a welterweight in there. His movement, his agility. Yeah, he just. Yeah, you, just you, could, you couldn't tell that this guy is a heavyweight. He is just so. Uh, he just moves so so well. What about the Dontel Mays fight? I think that was like one of my favorite serial gone fights because he just beat him up on the feet for like fourteen minutes plus. Yeah, and then he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna heel hook him. I'm just gonna heel hook him. <laughs> I want like the finish. Fifteen seconds of the fight. Yeah, I want the finish. And guess what? He got 50 Gs for that. So that, uh, that decision to go for it paid off real well for him. So, and, um, yeah, you just don't see that. I appreciate that because he knows in that, in that we got the hill hook. He's like, you know what? I can take this risk. I'm going to go for it. Because like, So he's fighting smart. So he's in there and he just he's very self-aware. Like, okay, I have this fight. Now I can kind of try things. I only try in the gym, you know. So I like I like that about him. He's wise beyond his uh, MMA yeah. years. That's for damn sure. It's, it's, it's that time he spent fighting in Canada. I'm telling you, it changes you. It makes you, it makes you a better man. That's right. Uh, Mohamed Nur, after seeing Oliveira dominate Ferguson, do you think the Habib versus Tony fight would have gone the same? It's an interesting question. I think that was like one of the, the main things that made that fight so interesting. Is like, oh, what happens if the fight gets to the ground and Habib takes him down and Tony's on his back? Like, we all thought it'd be a big scramble fest and ferguson's defensive jujitsu would be kind of like a i'm not gonna say kryptonite for hubby but definitely something that you'd have to think about but after seeing that casey are you just like there's a part of you that maybe the fight was a little overrated <laughs> between well, ferguson and Habib? i'm a bit the wrong person to ask because i kind of always felt that fight was overrated um uh i think we t- might have talked about it on the uh during the post presser but um I uh, I've always think, I've thought Habib was the best best lightweight in the world for a long time. He's been the best lightweight in the world to me for the last like five six years, way before he was actually champ. And the Ferguson thing was fun to talk about because what they tried it was like they tried it out like twenty times, and it took and it took it took a global pandemic to stop the last one, you know. So uh, no no I, I even prime Tony I I. I he was that would have happened. It might have been even like a worse beating. It would be a lot more elbows and to from the top from uh, instead of instead of like arm bars and triangles. It would have been um, Tony Ferguson getting his jaw ripped off, probably something like that. So uh, uh, yeah, it would it would it would have gone the same. Ak, what do you think? And I think what this performance actually did for Charles Oliveira is. That narrative that really pissed me off and probably a lot of other people off that oh. Habib was afraid. Habib was afraid that <laughs> oh. he pulled out of the Ferguson fight because he was afraid of him at UFC 249. That yeah. That, that was a thing. That was a very popular <laughs> thing before Ugh. UFC 249. And I was just like, Art. what? What are you talking about? Now we can officially like put that to bed here. But but do you feel that way? Like, do you feel like watching the Oliveira performance that it would have gone the same, if not worse, if he if Ferguson actually got to fight Habib, especially in 2020. Uh, I'm glad Muhammad asked this question because I'm certainly uh, someone who should be held accountable for my opinion that I, I for the longest time, was driving the uh, Ferguson is the man to beat Habib train. It was all on that. Uh, much to the chagrin of our own, Jed Mishu has been long been on the Ferguson would had no chance against uh, Habib. He has argued that on many occasions. Um, I always thought Ferguson would do it. I've spoken very highly of Ferguson's scrambling ability, but I do think tonight we saw, boy, if you if you are an elite grappler with great top control uh, and and you're calm, I mean, scrambling is great, but when you're in those when you're in bottom position, you're in bottom position. Uh, and unless if you're if you have a guy like uh, Oliveira or Habib who just almost rare almost never makes mistakes. 
when they're trying to pass, when they're when they're doing ground and pound, they know when to attack, they know when to control. It, it's their performances are flawless when they get on the ground. The scrambling ability just almost doesn't matter. You could be the best scrambler in the world. The best control guy is always going to beat the best scrambler. That's that's how I see it now. That's how I, under, I understand it now. And maybe I should have known this before. Um, yeah, I think I think even if you take the best version of Ferguson, because uh, people today sure like Ferguson, uh, you know the the the, the Gaethje fight was a sign of Ferguson's decline. He's going to be thirty seven, I think, or thirty eight in February or uh, early next year. Uh, okay, so maybe you want to say this isn't the best version. I still think that the not but that the eighty percent version of Ferguson beats the majority of fighters at one fifty five. So this is not to take anything away from Charles Oliveira. I think if you take the best version of Ferguson and you took the best version of Habib, I think based on what we saw tonight, you can sort of have some idea that that Habib is that matchup ninety nine out of a hundred times. So. Yes, I am officially retiring. My <laughs> Ferguson was the man to beat Khabib Nurmagomedov uh, narrator tonight. I was, I, I, we'll never know for sure because the fight won't happen. But I'm, I'm, it's, I, I can say I was wrong in in uh, in, in driving that train. Uh, we can Oliveira say you're amazing we, tonight. We, 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 I can say you're wrong too. Okay, go for it. Thank you, okay, yeah. thank, thank you for helping me with that. I was, I was struggling to get the words yeah, out. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, based on what, yeah, for sure, they're not the same fighter at all, Oliveira and and Khabib. But I mean, I get what people are saying. The grappling dominance, what we saw tonight. Yes, I do think Habib could do a similar thing to Ferguson and, and would beat him. It must have been so frustrating for Tony Ferguson tonight because he survives that like insane armbar. And normally oh. when that happens, like the momentum of a fight will like totally shift because you're just like, wow, how did that not get finished? Like you can see frustrations mounting in fires, but Oliver was calm, cool, collected. And Ferguson, what a lot of people like don't think about because the fight was so dominant is that like he tried to scramble and he did some really nifty work off of his back trying to get back to his feet. But Oliveira was just three steps ahead of him. Every time Ferguson was like, ah, oh, yes, I got back to my feet. Oliveira would like throw him up in the air or use his feet to like just slam him back down. Like no matter what Ferguson did, Oliveira was just all over him. Like there's nothing he could have done. It was, it was just so crazy. What a performance from, from Charles Oliveira tonight. What about... What about Tony Ferguson? What's, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, crossroads fights, crossroads fight. Well, clearly, this thing, I mean, we talked about, you know, I think even the little pre-show, you know, well, unless Ferguson gets, like, knocked out, you know, in the first round, I think whatever, you know, whatever happens is still Tony Ferguson. I know he didn't get knocked out in 30 seconds, but this is about just as bad. I think there's still a lot of great matchups for him. Um, I, mean, I, I don't I, know. I think so. I mean, I think, yeah. I think matchups are going to be great because he's, he's yeah. Tony, he's Tony yeah. freaking Ferguson, like Diego Sanchez. Yeah. People still want to see Diego Sanchez. I think <laughs> Tony sure. Ferguson, we'll see. But, you know, he's always going to be an exciting fighter, you know, in, in sense of media fans. Is he still, is he ever going to be a top five fighter again? Or maybe he still is. I don't know. <sighs> this might have knocked him out of there. Um, Gosh, it's so hard to say that because again, I I, I want to lean towards giving Oliveira more credit yeah, than thing. necessarily taking take away right from from what Ferguson did. But but this, but both can be true, you know. Again, both can be true. Oliveira is is peaking and that is best, and maybe Tony Ferguson is a little bit past his prime. You know, both can be true. I, I'd rather not dwell on that, but it's it, it has to be. It you know you have to talk about it. You know, it can't it can't just it cannot be dismissed. It cannot be dismissed. So it's certainly possible. So yeah, what's next for him? I don't know. Again, a lot of good fights, but you're right. Uh, is he? Do we? Are we still focusing on? Can he contend? Are we just looking for fun legacy fights now? I'm sure he'll have something to say about it soon. I would like to see him just do nothing for like the next several months. Like I don't want to see 
crazy training montages. I don't see anything. I want to see him just like relax, like just chill out. Yeah. Do something relaxing. Find a way to get your brain off out of the fight game for a while. Like if he took all of 2020 off or 2021 off, wouldn't upset me at all. I actually think it would probably be a good thing for him. You know, he, uh, this speaking. has been a crazy ass year for him. I mean, between uh, yes, losing Habib again, then Gate, then, then he's fighting Gaethje at two forty nine on this date. Does the weight cut? Remember, it gets canceled. It, it gets canceled the last second. Remember, it was supposed to be at Tachi Palace. Remember that whole right. thing too. Like that, oh I mean, this, my god! Don't, don't forget Tachi Palace. You know, UFC's going back <laughs> to Tachi forget. Palace. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> Never forget Tachi Palace, and then the Jacksonville thing, and all, and, and, and the yeah. beating he took in that fight. And then the whole Dustin Poirier thing in October and, you know, oh, yeah. trying to, Oh my God, you're right. I forgot about that. <laughs> I mean, just so much. And then like the Michael Chandler thing and get, I mean, just the, the man has gone through a lot the last few years and it started like, it started with the torn ACL and then coming back and like getting in those wars right away. Like the, the, the Cerrone fight was a war. The Anthony Pettis fight was a war. Like the dude has just, I'd like to see him. He's had injuries. And even like during those injuries, like you tear your ACL, most of your, most of these guys, if they're just super duper durable are back in a year. Like look, look at Rob font took him a year to get back. Mm-hmm. Cub Swanson took him a year to get back. Tony Ferguson was back in like seven months. The dude just like vigorously rehabbed and did everything he could to like, just defy the odds and defy what doctor's orders and all these crazy things. Cause he's Tony freaking Ferguson. He's a madman. I would like to see him just relax, spend time with your family, do it, join a men's baseball league, just throw dudes out from right field. Like he loves baseball. Go in there and just get a bunch of saves in a summer baseball league and just relax, get out of the fight game for a little while. Like just you're opening up a gym, focus on that, focus on training the next guys, but just take some time for yourself, man. Like that's what I want to see. I don't think he's done by any stretch of the imagination. The skill set's there. I just think at this point, like he just needs a break from being a professional fighter for a little while, and, and maybe the right matchmaking. Maybe when he comes back from that year, let's see how the light lightweight landscape looks, and let's find a, a reasonable uh, reasonable matchup for him. Because yeah, there's a lot of guys he could beat. There's a lot of guys who could do a lot of damage to him, uh, more damage to him, I should say, than he's taken in, in the last two fights, which is considerable. Uh, so yeah, let's let's find the right matchup too. I think that's just important. Yeah, I, I, I had the matchup. I'm yeah. just getting a little onto the next one exclusive before the matchup is. It starts with a P, and it ends with all Felder. <laughs> that's the fight Hold on. today. I would give me a second. Yeah, I would. I would keep uh, Mr. P Elder or whatever you talk about. I would keep him so far away from Tony Ferguson right now. Um, I, I I agree and disagree with your point, Mike. Um, I think I'm. I don't want to say they're the same person, but I think Tony Ferguson is a bit like BJ Penn in a sense. His identity is a fighter. You know, his identity is uh, just being an athlete. And I think what you said, play softball, go, go do, be in a correct softball league. Um, as long if he, if he leaves the MMA fighting, MMA fighting, if he leaves um, MMA for a little bit, I do, I do hope he stays ath- athletic and like plays community softball or something. But I'm afraid with too much time on his hand, you know, idle hands and Tony Ferguson probably could be a dangerous thing. But um, if Tony Ferguson comes back in, say, three months, please give him a guy outside the top 15. I, I want squash matches. Just like Tisha Torres got a, a, a showcase fight tonight, guys like Tony Ferguson needs, he deserves a showcase fight. Just 
Some some rando that wins a contender series. Hey, you get to face Tony Ferguson now. Wow. Oh, something like that. That's what Tony Ferguson. That's what I wish would happen for Tony. If this was boxing, Tony Ferguson would fight about five contender series guys in a row. <laughs> but uh, it's not boxing. It's UFC. But uh, I, I hope they treat Tony Ferguson that way. Just give him some but a body, not not and, not not someone that we've even heard of. I, I feel like that's and, what he needs right now. Ferguson is is one of the high ranked guys who actually would be open to that kind of idea. One like he, he would fight because look, Charles Oliveira was a guy a lot of the higher ranking guys in the top five didn't want to fight. There just wasn't anything to gain. He's insanely dangerous. And again, if you're in the top five, you can only lose your spot when you face a guy like him because Oliveira was probably just on the outside looking in. I imagine maybe six was the highest most people would have him. What was he in the official rankings? Uh, I should know this. I have this. Well, I, was I he, was, yeah. he was seventh in the official rankings uh, going into this fight. Really? So, that, yes, I think he's behind RDA. I think RDA <laughs> jumped him uh, when he came back to like me. Um, huh. so, so I think there's a lot of... Uh, again, a lot of people. Again, there's a lot of good reasons for the guys in the top five not to face him. Plus, they're, they're all kind of tangled up and, and booked against each other. So, I'm not saying anyone they were scared. I'm just saying strategically, why would you want to fight a dope Bronx? And of course, Ferguson said, "Screw it, I'll do it. I'll do it." You know, um, it's a tough opponent, chance for him to get a win. But I mean, he has he certainly had less to gain, and he did it anyway. Uh, really, he'll fight anybody. Um, Mike, is it okay if I move on? Because I do want to address someone's yeah. comments. Yeah. So, sure. Mike, you mentioned. You mentioned Cub Swanson, someone else who had a, a year-long layoff, also dealing with an injury, rehabbing a pretty severe uh, knee injury. Uh, Eric in CO on Twitter, I assume that means Eric in Colorado. Uh, he just wanted to point out that we've talked a lot about changing the guard, but one guy who did not lose his spot was Swanson. Uh, wasn't facing a young comer, was facing another veteran, but certainly Pineda has a lot to gain from adding a guy like Swanson to his, his uh, resume because he's got some good wins, but no one with the name value of Swanson. So this would have been big. And Swanson put on an absolutely wonderful, fun-to-watch performance and, uh, and put Pineda away. So that was one of the best stories tonight. And definitely, I just want to make sure we, we talk about this because that was really, really, uh, really a great moment. This is a night of durability because Cub Swanson dealt with a lot in that first round. Pineda was, was scoring. He was landing big shots. And I think... And again, a lot like a lot of his past fights, especially since the, the the Georgie loss, which shouldn't have been a loss to begin with, he's just been running. He's just been rifling through everybody. Like the way he fought Cub Swanson early tonight, finished almost every guy he fought leading up to that fight. And Cub just didn't go away. In fact, it made him stronger for some reason, which is just wild. Cub Swanson is a G. That oh. was impressive. He overcame that first round and just stole the momentum and then just was like, the hell with this. I'm putting this thing away. That was awesome. What a great performance tonight. And with a torn knee. <laughs> right. Multiple torn knees. And his leg. Durability. No, no, but you, 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 said, you, you made a good point. Um, just durability. Um, we got, I, I talked about this with Mackenzie Dern. That's her being so durable in that fight. I was like, okay. Now, now I can say she has the ability to be an elite strawweight, and we all, we already know Cub Swanson's elite strawweight, and he showed it tonight. Just ex- Pineda might have actually been the better fighter, but Cub Swanson won the fight. He won it de- decisively too. He's just durable. I think just better strategy. Just is he, he could stay focused in the fight. He he knew how to control his um his energy during the fights. That I feel like I feel like Pineda came out pretty tired in the second round. Or at least, you know, he gave the physical appearance that he was tired. But uh, Cub Swanson, man, that felt 
you know, you know, you know, you know, you try not to be biased, man. But you know, when you're watching at home, but when Cub won, I think I think all the fans and you know, everyone, all of us were a little bit like good for Cub. Yeah. MMA doesn't always make you feel good, even when you're entertained. It doesn't, you know, when you see a nasty knockout. I wouldn't say I feel good. Like, you know, let's say we yeah. saw the Joaquin Buckley. Let's talk about the Joaquin Buckley KO. We all loved it. One of the, you know, most exciting most of the year. I didn't feel good after I saw that KO. You know what I mean? When they showed uh, Impa Kasanganai the way he fell, I didn't feel good inside. You know, I felt good after Swanson's win. <laughs> uh, it, it just, there was just something so, he's, he's a, I think it's fair to say an, an elder statesman of the sport. I'm not, I don't mean to, to say he's near the end of his career or anything. Who knows? He could fight for another five years. But the way he carries himself, he's an elder statesman. He's a great ambassador. He's a hell of an exciting fighter. I mean, I'm not just talking about a guy who's getting by on his on his, his his being a good good citizen. His fights are amazing. There's a, there's a reason he's a fan favorite for a reason. Um, and facing another guy, a really tough veteran like Mike said, a guy who's just been mowing people down with his fighting style. Um, meeting him right there in the cage and and just showing why he's again just such a skilled, such a professional guy. Uh, and again, coming back from a year off, so tough. And he looked like he was in amazing shape for a guy who's been out for a year. So uh, cannot wait to see this guy fight again. And uh, really one of the positive stories of, of this year, for sure. I like his mustache, too. Just saying. Yes. Oh, and I, I forgot to mention it. His, his post-fight <laughs> quote. Where he, he, got, he, gets, he gets choked up and he's like, oh, you know, I was in there and I was just thinking about my kids. Uh, I'm their superhero, you know. And I'm, guys, I'm not made of stone. Okay. I'm not made of stone. It got a little dusty. It got a little dusty over here. Uh, it was a great moment. I, I got emotional with him. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. I'm a soy boy. I'm a soy boy. Okay, soy what do you boy. want from yeah, me? Yeah, I'm yeah. a soy boy. I'm big time. We all know this. Eat, eat some steak, man. Get some protein. Yeah, I need to stay. Yeah, definitely need some more meat in my diet. <laughs> oh, man. What else we got? What else we got? Uh, Someone in the comments mentioned like, the Levitt Slam, by the way, as an example of, yeah, like something you I enjoyed did but didn't necessarily. No one felt good after that. No one felt good. good. No. no, nobody did. Especially um, Wyman. Uh, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's up there. Yeah, of course. Yep, yep. Josh Feel good winner of the year. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe the number one again. We're going to look. We're, well, you know, what we do, guys. You know, we'll be doing a lot of year in review stuff as it go on. Articles. We talk about it, of course, on on all the various shows that we do for you guys. So, uh, a lot of of the year discussions coming up. Um, so look, please guys stay tuned for that. And yeah, uh, send your suggestions in and all that stuff. Cause we need help figuring some of this stuff out. I mean, fighter of the year, is, it's just a mess. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Uh, Tristan Gordet, you have Connor versus Poirier. You have Chandler versus Gaethje. Maybe assuming Connor versus Poirier is for the lightweight title. Would you book Oliveira for the title shot or have him face the winner of Chandler versus Gaethje? <sighs> I, I'm, you know what? I liked exactly what Oliveira said. Give him the winner, Connor versus Poirier, no matter what. He's earned it. That performance, and people talk about how great Justin Gaethje looked against Tony Ferguson, and he had his dominant moments in that fight. He was hitting him with some big shots, but he didn't big brother Tony Ferguson like Charles Oliveira did tonight. I mean, that was just really impressive stuff, and I have no issue with Oliveira calling for the winner of, of Connor versus Poirier whatsoever. If we're assuming Habib is retired, uh, which again I do think he'll fight again someday, but uh, I'm I'm respecting his retirement for now. I, I think he might come. I don't know if he'll come back on all this Dana White. I'm meeting up with him stuff, whatever. I, this is, by the way, recency bias to the max. Charles Oliveira looked to me like the best lightweight in the world tonight, uh, just with the skill set he, the all around skill set he showed. I know people are going to say, "Hey, Gaethje just beat." 
and finished Ferguson in a five round fight earlier this year. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm forget, I'm not forgetting that. It's just, there was something shown to me. And again, the fact that I just saw it earlier tonight, that made me think that well, Gaethje did get touched up. It's not like he came out of there sure. without any bruises, but tonight Ferguson looked better. Yeah. Ferguson looked better against Gaethje than he did against Oliveira. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but different fights. I get it. Yeah. Different fights, completely different styles. Exactly. It's, it, you know, but Oliveira, I'll tell you right now, all the names in this question here, Tristan, I'm picking Oliveira to beat any of them. Khabib right now is the only fighter, I think, who, if you ask me who would I pick, I, I would pick Khabib. Other than that, I'd pick him to beat Connor, Poirier, Chandler, Gaethje. I think Oliveira, he might, he might be the best. And again, I am high off of that performance, but uh, I'm, I'm making that statement now. You guys can clip it. You guys can can quote me on this on Twitter. Throw it in my face later. Uh, but uh, that's that's how I felt about what I saw tonight. I'm not betting against him anymore. I mean, how how could you argue with anything you just said there, Casey? What do you think? Oh, coming into the night's card, I thought there'd be two breakout fighters. I thought it was going to be um, Oliver, and I, he did actually what I expected him to do. It was just weird seeing it. You know, I've I've thought of Oliver. I've thought I thought that highly of him for actually a while now. It was just kind of cool going. Oh, cool! I was right. And I also, but I also thought Jandra Nova was going to have a breakthrough performance tonight, even though she had a great performance. Not the same, not the same type of performance. Obviously, she lost. But uh, nah, Oliver, yeah. Outside of yeah, right. Outside of Habib, yeah, he can yeah, he can win all those fights without a doubt. Without a doubt. Let me ask you. Let, let me ask you this. AK, I'll ask you this first because there's a lot of people like pe- people. Val- some people value finishes just so highly, right? If Charles, what makes more of an impact in your opinion? The way that Charles Oliveira just start to finish for 15 minutes straight, just dominated Tony Ferguson and big brothered him. Or if he got that submission in the first round, what do you think has like more of an impact in your own mind? And I probably, because it's not like, I probably, like 30, yeah. 27, this is an ass whooping right. for 15 yeah. minutes. I, I admit, I probably would have been even more hyped if he finished in the first round. It's cool that we got to see the, the complete performance, like you said, that he could dominate uh, for three rounds. But definitely, I mean, if you guys think I'm overhyped now and I'm exaggerating now, if he had finished Ferguson by submission, I probably would have been saying, oh, the Bronx is the friggin' greatest lightweight of all time. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, think, uh, I think a first round submission would have made a little, a little bit more of an impact with me. But what we got was said enough. You know, you, you can't take anything away from it. Ferguson is just so damn tough. Um, so, uh, yeah, first round submission would have been nice. And I actually almost thought we were going to see it. Uh, and, and frankly, if there had been 10 more seconds of the round, we would have. Uh, so credit to Tony Ferguson for being, you know, not human. As Dude, we, if, there, you know, if, there were, if there were 10 more seconds of the round, we might have seen like a bone pop out of Tony's yeah. skin. I'm thank, actually, oh. thank, uh, no, oh. I'm, I'm not kidding. Thank goodness there was actually the end of the round because Tony, just, I think, is one of those guys that oh. like Henzo Gracie when he fought uh, Sakuraba, like just wasn't going to tap. Was just gonna let his arm break like big nog and like I felt like Tony was in that type of position where he was just not gonna tap and just let it like what or snap, but uh, that was gross. I, I came out of that fight thinking that there's only two fights that would bring Hubby back. One would be GSP, obviously. If somehow, some way, they can make that happen, and GSP could magically get to 155, and they could fight, I think we could see that. I honestly believe that the way Charles Oliveira performed tonight, Charles Oliveira could get Habib out of retirement. But not today, not tomorrow, not even in 2021. If Charles Oliveira somehow becomes a champion and wins four more, what's his win streak at? Nine right now? 
nine, I think. All finishes. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, not finishes. Okay, uh, all finishes before. All finishes before tonight. I apologize. If Oliveira wins four more in a row and gets to thirteen straight wins, and starts going after Habib's like streak of how many consecutive wins he has, maybe Habib comes out and is like, you know what, you ain't taking my record. I want that fight. I think that would because if he wins four more in a row, he's gonna beat. Just think of the other guys he's going to beat. Like, he just beat Ferguson. He would beat Chandler. He would beat Gaethje. He would beat Poirier. Probably Connor. He'd probably beat all four of those guys to get to that point. At at some point, Habib's going to be scratching his head and being like, be like, all right, maybe I'll see what this guy can do. I mean, I, I don't yeah. think Habib comes back for any of the guys at 55 right now. None of them. Not one. Yeah. It- that's that's the stuff that legacy fights are made. Of. That's why that's why Mike, I agree with you because I said like I don't think we see Khabib come back in twenty in, in next year. Uh, but yeah, we're talking about twenty twenty two, right? Depending where Oliveira is at that point. Like you said, he's he's breaking all the finish. He's broken all the finishing records already. Uh, then he just has to start adding on the the, uh, the wins records. So, gosh, that's the new dream fight, right? That's the new dream fight we're chasing. I think <laughs> Ferguson, Khabib, whatever. Yeah, Khabib, Oliveira. I want to say that actually you're, the main problem right now, the main issue of Oliveira is we work in the media. I've seen, I've, I mentioned this before, I've seen Oliveira fight probably 15 times now. Tonight, I learned more about him. The fact that he carries a rock around. 100%. And that's 100%. The problem, that is the problem of Oliveira. I know nothing about him. Zero. I think I've, I, I'm, I'm from Houston, Texas. And, and when Buffer announced fighting out of Houston, Texas, I'm like, What? How can the potentially a future UFC Hall of Famer, a guy who's going to be fighting for the title very soon, a guy who's on his could be one of the greatest lightweights ever? It's like, and he just, I know nothing about him. What do you, what do you know about him? Does he have kids? Is he married? What do you know? I know, I know he's Brazilian, wears glasses, and has tattoos. And he, he kind of looks like Tony Ferguson. <laughs> and, and that's an issue. That, that's an issue for that's the UFC needs to figure how to. Package and sell to the casual Charles Oliveira because there there's going to be a lot of Charles Charles Oliveira in our future. Well, I mean sometimes I mean, it all lines up. Look at Davis Figueroa. Davis Figueroa is probably the most Davis Figueroa might be the most interesting guy on the entire UFC roster with all the odd jobs, the road he's taken to get to where he's at, and we're finally starting to see his personality shine, even though his English isn't there. People still like him just because he's such a violent guy. And the thing about MMA is like it's very rare. There's there's two things that really stick out. Timing is everything. Kevin Holland, oh, excuse me. Kevin Holland is like a perfect example of that. And then there's like getting a signature win. That helps too. It's very rare that they both come together at the exact same time, especially to the level of what Charles Oliveira did tonight. That happened. That happened. And it doesn't matter. Like at this point, you can know all you need to know. Charles Oliveira, I'm not going to say he's a star, but he took a giant step towards getting there. And a lot of people want to see what he's going to do next. Well, listen, all the UFC has to do is sit down with him for like 15 minutes and interview him one-on-one because I don't know if you guys saw his post-fight interview or or were watching and, and saw the press conference. This man talks fast. All right. I don't speak Portuguese, so but I don't need to speak Portuguese to know this man. I called him the microphone guy on uh on twitch by the reference almost nobody will get uh will get it because yeah. we're we're of a certain we're of a certain vintage let's put it that way old uh but yes yeah, so, pretty much to say he, he speaks really fast 
uh, I was amazed. And and the translator, bless his heart, I did his best. I think we'll have to we'll have to uh, agree later and, and maybe a full translation of some of the, whatever it was that Oliveira was saying tonight. Because yeah, that, there you go, Casey. There's one thing I know. It's uh, he's a he's a fast talker. So. Cody Garbrandt tweeted after the fight, uh, hey, Henry oh, Cejudo looks like it's us March 6th. Pick the weight class. Hmm? I found I, I thought I thought sure. AK had a very interesting take tonight. The biggest loser of the night tonight was Cody Garbrandt. Who said that? Me? Didn't you say that? <laughs> I don't think so. You didn't tweet that out? I may have retweeted I thought it. It wasn't me. Sure that was you. Somebody said that. I'll take credit for it. I'll take credit for it. Yeah, it's I'll true. Credit for it. I oh, you know, so I forgot Sorry. about Cody Garbrandt actually tonight. I forgot about him. I just that, that's that's yeah. the problem. That's yeah. why he's the biggest yeah. loser of the night because it seems academic that he's going to be fighting for the belts as soon as he comes back. I still, I, I think we laid it out perfectly earlier. The, yep. the way you do it is you run it back with Figueroa Moreno, Garbrandt v Cape is the fight to make. Number one contender. Oh, yeah. That's it. Cape, or as Cape calls him, Cody Garbage. Cody garbage. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oof. Oof. One of my favorite what a moments. Burn. What All a right, let's go. Let's go for like five more minutes. How about that? Yeah. Let's run like, yeah. Do like one or two more questions. Give us your best. Oh, I can't answer it. Find a question, Casey. Find a question. And believe me, there's so much still yeah, to no, talk about. I gotta go backwards. Yeah, and look, so we're gonna get a lot of. I mean, Mike, we're gonna we're gonna do maybe one of our longest episodes of on to the next one ever. Uh, I think with with all these matches we're gonna do, so people are gonna get a lot more of us. But uh, yeah, we got some here. Rapid fire. Tisha Torres versus Sam Hughes. Will Dana think Sam quit and not get a no. second outing in the cage? Took it on three days. Those to be honest, if. No. if is she gonna get the I max? The max that. What's that? What's the other guy? He got. He never got a fight again. Max. What's his name? The guy who quit. Max Roshkoff. That's is, true. Is he gonna get this treatment? Because I Sam have a feeling says, with Roshkoff. See, she said sure. the truth. Roshkoff, for one thing, was that was that not that was, like, was, that not a, was that not a mutual parting of ways? Did, wasn't there some sort of understanding between them? I don't know. I could be making that up. Um, uh, I think he was sure released. That incident was definitely a lot more controversial. Remember, Roscoff wasn't just like, I can't see him today. It was like, I don't want to do this. I can't go on. Uh, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Multiple times saying I'm done. It it's it just made for a really bad clip, I think, for the UFC. That's probably one of the reasons for it. The optics were really bad. Um, maybe his team could have handled the situation better. And, and Dana White and whoever it is at the UFC that makes these decisions, they're, they're aware of all these things. They, they saw they saw what we saw, and they're aware of all these things. Uh, this wasn't wasn't quite as bad. Cormier kind of uh, was a little bit harsh on her, kind of saying like that. Yeah, kind of saying like, oh, she was looking for a way out. That's why she said she said she couldn't see. And then she tried to kind of backtrack once the round was about to begin and kind of asking her, do you want to go on? She's like, no, no, don't stop it. I think she was just being honest. I think she she was just saying she couldn't see. He was just saying she should have known better, but she was just being honest. She's in the moment. She can't see. She's probably a little panicked about it. I mean, it's kind of, that's a scary thing. And just said what she was asked. Can you see? And uh, should she have known the fight was going to be stopped? Uh, maybe she's probably seeing the fights, but I don't think that's the first thing that was on her mind. I saw a few fighters and usually, you know, I mean, I respect their opinions and they were kind of crapping on uh, Hughes too a little bit, just because you, you were just taught to lie. 
Like, and, and that's fighting is lying. You get punched hard in the face, act like it does not hurt. <laughs> you know, that's what. So, um, sorry, we're supposed to do rapid fire. I'm sorry, we're going in. It's okay. We'll, we'll just say that this, awesome. that fight was not going anywhere good for Sam Hughes. So, no. her corner, when, when her corner looked at eye, her corner should have saved her right there. I, I don't want to blame the corner. I mean, I don't know these yeah. people. But yeah, yeah. Her, she was getting her ass handed to her by Tisha Torres. Mm-hmm. And it was it was gonna go downhill real fast when yeah. she, at the beginning of the second round. Much like for for that um, Max kid, if he would have came out for that round, he would have got demolished. And I felt the same way for Sam. So, yeah, um, and I'm sure people are gonna say, "Oh, it's not like Tisha's gonna throw." You know, Tisha's not a, doesn't have a big knockout power. It's not like she's gonna. Yeah, no. I mean, the fight. Look, the fight might have gone the distance, but I'm gonna tell you something. During that time, uh, Sam Hughes was trying to take about 50 hard punches to the head. Yeah. So uh, knockout or not, trust me, it's. I'm not a doctor, guys, but that that's not good for you. It's not good for you. Yeah, I, I I think she gets another shot. Why is Dana trashing next week's card? Thompson versus Neil. It's a great card, but it's like this is the card that doesn't end. Has fifteen fights, eight on the prelims, seven fight man. Card. Um, I don't think he was trash. I just think I just think the fact that Shemaev isn't on the card anymore. Dana lost interest. What did he, he say? I missed it. What did he say? I missed I missed kind of that, that comment about the card. Dana said. Um, Dana basically said like I'm going on vacation tomorrow. I'll see you guys next year. So like, he's, I, I guess he's not going to be there. Like the promoter did zero promoting for what maybe is actually on paper, the best fight night of the year. Sure. So the promoter did not promote. So I think that's when that's the sense of trashing. Dana tells it like it is, bro. He tells it like it is. <laughs> Stop hating. Stop hating on the boss. We'll have, we'll um, have some fun with that. Sure. Hey, all right. those fighting uh, next week. Michelle Perez fighting next week. Oh my, Marlon Mar- oh Williams. Oh, what a card! I'm, dude, I'm, I'm super oh, excited yeah. about next week's card. Actually, I'm. I'm you should be. It's a I'm good very, card. I'm very it's excited, and you know, it miss, it's, it's missing that one amazing non-title main yeah. event. But this is a good. This is an excellent replacement. Actually, it's a really good fight. Thompson versus Neil is fascinating. All right, we'll do one more, Casey. One more, Pick out the take us home best one. Oh. This is a good this question. A <laughs> yes, that's a fair. That's a fair question. I think the intention behind it's probably a little mean, but it's a fair question. I have. I've been in set many growing up in the Boston area. That was the thing. Um, yeah, I have. That's all I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. You guys, you guys don't want to know how those fights ended for the other guy. Let's put it that way. Uh, he, he, Mike, Mike cannot legally say what happened to those fights. <laughs> he, that was so like. <laughs> you guys know where I come from. Mind your, mind your business. Mind your business. <laughs> Listen, I get, a, I get a seven-year-old. I don't know I'm going back and watching clips of like dad talking about his old street fights back when you he know, was younger and a whippersnapper. Fair. But yeah. Um, but yeah, there you go. Anybody else want to chime in before we say goodbye? I think we've gone. I, honestly, honestly, I I've trained a little bit, but a, a real fight. I think I've been lucky enough to say I've never been to a real fight. People can probably tell that by looking at me. Uh, and if that was your, if honestly, if that was your assumption, you are correct. I I I don't think I've ever. I think I would know if I would remember if I had been there. No. That does not surprise me, AK. <laughs> I'm a pacifist. Only no, only because you're such a nice guy. Who the hell would want to fight you? Right, I'm lovable. <laughs> Casey, I know you've been like a billion, right? When I say, when I think of real fight, I think real fight. 
Like you, me, we're meeting at a certain time at a certain location. To me, that's a real fight. Now, have I been in uh, kerfluffles? Yes, I've been in I've been in some kerfluffles. Yeah, where uh, all of a sudden, have I been in a fight where at some point where there was no there was no drinks in hand? No, I mean I don't. I've been to some, yeah. <laughs> Kerfuffles, yes. <laughs> Meet at the pine trees at 3.30, yeah. no. No, no, not yet, not yet. Night's still young. Right. 20, 20, we still got a few more days for 2020. Check, I hope, check. and I hope my, uh, my my fighting career is, like, way over at this point, for God's sakes. Like, don't need to be doing that. All right, we're getting out of here. Oh, I think yeah, we're yeah. at, like, the 75-minute mark. Holy yeah. shit. What a night this has been, ladies and gentlemen. We're getting out of here. Great show. Of course, what a show. Dude, this card ruled. Yeah. This card freaking card ruled. ruled. Absolutely. AK and I will be back uh, with on to the next one. Then we got between the links, A-side. What the heck? I mean, we just get so much stuff before we head into the final card of the year next weekend. So for AK, for Casey, I am Mike Heck. Good night, everybody. That's how people fight, right? This is what it looks like when you fight. Fight, 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 fight. <laughs> Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.